Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody, and happy Friday. My name is Kevin Combs, Vice President here at McKinney Favelle. Today is July 7th, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. Today, I have with us our very own Sean Bingham, Director of Risk Management at McKinney Favelle, and we're going to be talking about corn and corn futures and all this uh, crazy market activity we've had, and spurred by a lot of uh, fundamental news and certainly never short on uh, technical information. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm all right. How are you, Kevin? Doing great. Cool. Post uh, 4th of July. Post 4th of July. Yeah. Quiet week here. And somehow we got the A-team on today. Imagine that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think we just drew the short straws, Kevin. <laughs> we drew the short straws. Everybody else went on vacation. But yep. hey, it's still the A-team, in my opinion. So That's right. That's right. Doesn't get any better. Doesn't get any better. You know, Sean, before we get started, just want to mention to all our listeners here that our next webinar will be with Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist here at McKinney Favelle. And It'll be a wheat market update on Wednesday, July 19th. So get that on your calendars. Go to McKinney-Flavelle.com. Get more information on uh, signing up for that. And, of course, if you're already uh, a part of our loyal listeners, keep an eye out for those invites. And now let's get started talking about corn, Sean. It seems like you know we got the huge acreage number, 94.1 uh, million acres planted little bit above uh, trade expectations and after you know having rallied up for a little bit putting in a weather premium that quickly quickly disappeared and uh, you know reading all your reports here on uh, a lot of the technicals and math it's just uh, been a fascinating market to watch uh, it, it most definitely has the uh, I think what we're seeing right now is is kind of a reaction to you know a couple things and I was going to hit a little bit uh, talk at least a little bit on on some of the speculator behavior over the last months. And so, you know, if you look back, speculators started really started selling corn back in late February, early March. And they and they were building those those short positions uh, all the way into late May. And then and then we <laughs> then we had, of course, the quote drought, the I state drought. And, uh, you know, we went from, you know, uh, September corn, I'm kind of looking at SEP spot right now, you know, S- September corn went from, went from below five bucks, uh, topping almost, you know, almost a 625 on that weather rally. And as it turned out, what happened was, you know, speculators effectively got forced out of those shorts. Uh, you know, you, sometimes you, you look at what they're doing and, and you wonder if they know things ahead of time. And clearly this was not you know, they weren't anticipating this. They were, they were thinking this weather rally was going to hurt the crop down the road and uh, actually turned very, very slightly bullish at the last COT report we, we got. And I'll be super curious to see what today's report looks like. We, you know, we'll get it after this broadcast. I'm fully expecting a big reversal in that, in that buying uh, because obviously here we are back down below five dollars on this uh on this bigger than expected planning report so you know (laughs) volatility has returned to the market in a big way not just corn but you know soy you know soybeans as well maybe more so in soybeans 
Yeah, that's been crazy. I mean, those markets, uh, you know, limit up basically with the opposite effect on the acreage with a lower area than expected on soybeans. So, yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing, of course, driving prices lower too now is is the com is is the general seasonal pattern. So, you know, we always try to kill the crop right sometime in June, and that's that's usually the peak. And it, it certainly was, or certainly probably was this year. And then now, now we've got that combination of speculators that got a little bit long. Uh, I'll call it mostly flat um, from being short. And you have to believe that with that report now, they're they're probably looking to get short again, which is interesting because if if, if we'll see what they did over this last week. But when you look at the last time prices were just below five. Uh, $5. Speculators had built up a position, uh, and I call this my true net, which is taking out the index money because the index money is always long. They built up positions about 150,000 contracts short. Well, now here we are back below five bucks, and I know they you know, they sold some, but I, I highly doubt it was 150,000 contracts in one week. So in my mind, they have, if they want to get shorter. They have a lot of room compared to where they were back in mid-May when prices below five bucks. So they they could push this market considerably lower if they decide to continue to pile on the short trade. Yeah, Sean, looking at uh, some of your publications that you put out to our uh, client base and this morning's, I thought was really interesting. And when you take a look at historical numbers from a uh, price standpoint relative to, to where a crude oil market is and where mm-hmm. the stocks to use ratio is. And, you know, with this big crop potential, you know, with the 94.1 million acres planted, you throw in everyone's expecting a lower yield than USDA's uh, current uh, 181.5 because Correct. of the dryness that we've had. And, you know, you take that in effect and, you know, you use something in the mid to high 170s and you still end up with a 15 billion to you know maybe a 15.3 billion bushel crop so obviously we're looking at higher stocks and yep. uh with you know that stocks to use ratio coming up you know talk to us a little bit about those numbers that you came up with uh historically where where you would see things yeah so prior to the prior to the acreage report the uh, USDA had stocks to use. I think it was just fractionally under 17%. And, and given the, the weather premium that was built in, in the market, I think a lot of folks were thinking, okay, well, that's, that's, that's too high. We, we probably need to be looking at numbers 16, 15 ish, which put us in the kind of low fours uh, from a historical standpoint. But now given, you know, and I, you know, I think if you just do the straight, added planted acres, it's probably another 350 million bushels to ending to the ending stocks. Now, and I, and I don't think we're going to hit that 181 and a half either. That was, you know, the way the USDA does that is they look at a, basically it's a straight line 35 year average. And I did the, happened to do the calculations this morning. I got, I got 180, uh, 181.6 or whatever. I was, I was 0.1 off of their estimate. So they just did it, you know, they just did a straight line estimate on that. I don't think there was a whole right. lot, whole lot of thought other than that. Yeah. And so now we've got to, we've got to temper that down into probably mid, you know, maybe mid, mid one seventies. But 
again, we're still probably looking at 17, some, somewhere between 17, 18% stocks use ratio when this, when this crop's done. And when I look at that historically, $4 tends to be the upside price of that range right. uh, with about 320 at the bottom. And so when I, when I was writing about this yesterday, I was uh, kind of adding that crude oil, that energy component, because energy prices are, are, are fairly elevated to com- compared to other points in history. And, you know, if we're looking at $70, $75 crude oil, and let's just call it a 17 and a half stocks to use, you know, we're kind of looking at a range for corn around 340 to 370. Now, when I was talking about it yesterday, I was definitely, I was specifically talking about crude oil. We really, really want to get more accurate. We need to talk about RBOB gasoline because that's really what corn follows more than crude oil. Now, I mean, to be sure, RBOB gasoline is highly, highly correlated with crude oil. But what we have right now is a situation where RBOB stocks are way below the five-year average. And we have fairly significant amount of crude oil stock. So we got a bit of a refining issue. We're not getting, you know, we got plenty of crude, but we're not getting it refined. And so stocks are are low and that's pushing up RBOB prices as well as uh, uh, diesel prices. So if we shift from looking at corn stocks to use versus crude oil, and we look at corn stocks to use versus RBOB, which has been trading around 225, 250, if we assume that that's going to stay high, let's call it 275. Now we can look at corn prices back above $4. Uh, call it, you know, the upper threes to the, the four and a quarter, maybe 450 range if we get to $3 RBOB. So either way, <laughs> we're sitting at, uh, you know, what, 480? You know, we're in the 485. 490 range for SEP corn right now. If you look at Dece, it's uh, I believe there's a little bit of carry forward in it. But I mean, the, the bottom line is this market has a fair way to go lower, even if energy prices stay relatively where they are. And EIA is actually suggesting energy prices are probably going to start upticking uh, down the road. So I, I think, you know, just looking at that, I think those factors are all great. And, and, really focus on, but we're probably missing a couple factors there at play in this market. And a couple that come to my mind is when you look at the largest producers and exporters of corn, we haven't had very good situation in Argentina coming off a drought year and just, you know, horrendous yields for both corn and soybeans in Argentina this year. And then of course, uh, moving into the Eastern hemisphere, we still got that little, uh, geopolitical event going on in uh, Ukraine and Russia mm-hmm. that uh, obviously impacts their production of grains in general. The export corridor is ruined, uh, rumored to be coming to an end again. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, just our crop size in general is uh, much less. Of course, thankfully, yep. Brazil had a monster crop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they did. Kind of offset a lot of that problems, but, uh, you know, we're just getting back to one problem there, or, you know, some, some sort of weather event, dryness, et cetera, that could uh, curtail that. So, you know, what do you think, you know, is a reasonable premium as a result of some of those things coming off from those 350-ish type of corn number that yeah, I mean, you could come up with? I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head, and that, and that is this premium that has been built into markets now 
for the better part of two and two, two and a half years. And it's not just corn. You can look at it in soybeans. You can see it in soybean oil. Soybean oil, you could argue that premium's got a lot to do with renewable diesel, but we're seeing it, we're seeing it in a lot of products. And it, I think a lot of folks, including myself, you know, early on, we're, we're pinning a lot of that premium to uh, supply chain problems. I mean, it was just getting hard to move product, getting hard to get people, and so there was uh, there was a lot of price built into into supply chain issues that hadn't been built into the market in a long, long time. So you know, ultimately, we'll we'll get out of that that premium situation, but it's definitely there, and I would argue it's worth every bit of fifty cents in corn. So going back to our numbers again, and if we're talking, you know, low fours to four and a quarter, given where our Bob is around 275, you know, throw that 50 cents in. Now we're at four, you know, 450, 475. So as long as that premium stays in the market, maybe we are getting pretty close to, to fair price, you know, uh, just, just below five bucks, uh, give or take. So yeah, it's it's been there, and and it it's hard to it's hard to put a finger on exactly what it is, which kind of tells me it's probably not one thing like you spoke of. It's a little bit of a lot of things that are uh, that have that have got this market probably better bid than it should be. Well, it's, it's certainly going to be interesting, and you know, here we are, we're uh, July seventh. You know, knee high corn by the fourth of July. You know, I think that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, with these recent rains is probably going to be a reality for uh, large portions of the corn crop. And, and we're probably, you know, certainly moved away from that fear of a 2012 crop situation with the uh, drought with the last uh, two weeks of weather turning back toward a little bit weather, wetter pattern. So yep. now, you know, looking at corn historically, it seems like as we approach harvest sometime, you know, mid August to mid September is usually when we hit the lows. Is there any reason to change thinking there? No, I don't think there's any reason. You know, I, I obviously, as you know, I live right outside of Chicagoland and I've done a fair amount of driving here in the last uh, week or two uh, around the area, you know, kind of mo- mostly West of here, the Cal region, obviously, <laughs> you know, nothing but corn between me and uh, the Iowa border and, and beyond. And I, I tell you, I, even when we were talking about a weather problem, I thought the corn still looked pretty darn good. Um, I didn't see a lot of stressed corn. So everything was still green. Now we got the crop in early. And just literally in the last four or five days, we have had significant rain. Probably two days ago was probably the best rain we've had here in a long time. Come through, you know, come through the I state you know, corn belt area. So my guess is the weather premium talk probably over for the, for a while. And now, now, like you said, now we're talking about where's the seasonal low going to come in. And, and you're right. It, it's, we're t- probably talking sometime in August, maybe early September. And, and where's it going to be? Uh, you know, I, I don't, <laughs> who knows? I, I hate, you know, what, what is the, what's the old saying for analysts? You know, you can put a price on a, on a market or you can put a price, a time on a market, but don't put a price a time time on, the on them. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So uh, kind of rule to live by, but I'll go out on a, a little bit of a limb and, and say, I think, 
I think we have a pretty good chance of, of, of seeing 450 corn just given the dynamic of of a much higher stocks to use than than what we were expecting the dynamic of I think speculators are going to reestablish these shorts and corn um, you know if we don't have if you know if we're not staring at 80 90 dollar uh, crude oil I think 450 is absolutely in the cards uh, near for the low in yeah. corn this year you're probably not making a lot of farmers happy but i think uh generally speaking our listeners are more on uh, the users and uh, processors so they're probably not too upset with this comment well <laughs> yeah but i i'm gonna guess farmers if, if if there's still some farmers i hope i'm not offending if there's still some farmers out there that didn't get something sold <laughs> before this number when we were trading at six dollar corn uh, you know, somewhat shame on you because that was, uh, you, you were staring at $5 corn in mid-May and all of a sudden you got a chance to sell some at six and we know farmers were undersold. So, uh, that, that's probably the other, the other leg of this downdraft is farmers, what, if they weren't selling, they sure probably jumped on board. It'd be interesting to see what the commercial COT report looks like as well, uh, today. Well, we really excited to see what that looks like and uh, get that information out uh, early next week, of course. And you're speaking like the true director of risk management you are, Sean. So <laughs> Exactly. Well, I'll have, uh, as you know, I do every Monday, I do the Monday money flow report. So I will have that uh, in everyone's mailbox first thing Monday morning of, of what that what that COT report looks like. And I expect to see some pretty big numbers during during this last week as far as is uh, net changes yep it's gonna be fascinating to see and uh like you said volatility 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 and i'm sure we got plenty more to come over the next uh you know month and month and a half as uh, people start looking to put on layered coverage of corn for 2024 absolutely yep no i think it's time to if if you're on the buy side of this market for corn it's time to resharpen your pencils i think we're gonna we're gonna get some opportunity here uh uh, if you're behind at all to, uh, to take some coverage, right. In yep. the next, in the next month or so. Agree, agree, agree. Yep. And that wraps up our weekly hot commodity podcast. Want to thank everyone for listening in. And as Mike always says, live with an attitude of gratitude until next time. Take care, everyone. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.